So essentially, I, I pray for you joyfully because of our partnership in the gospel. Uh, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, so he's saying, I know that Christ has begun a good work in you. And if you remember, we parked quite a bit on that verse uh, in one of our messages. Uh, we talked about this work of Christ in us. It is a good work. Jesus is in us, and he's bringing us, uh, he's creating in us a workmanship uh, that needeth not to be ashamed. He's creating in us uh, some of that he's ordained to good works. He's going to uh, make us righteous just like he is. Uh, but it's a gradual work. It's not something that takes place at a, one time and we're, we're perfect. It's a work that continues until one day we are glorified in heaven. So don't beat yourself up if you're not perfect. God doesn't, he knows that you're not perfect. He remembers your frame. He remembers your dust. He's working with you day by day. The goal is to improve every day, not to be perfect. We strive for perfection, but understand that we still have a lot of work to do. And God is going to work in us. He's going to ultimately one day make us perfect when we get to heaven. And that's the guarantee. The guarantee is that God will, can, he will finish the work. He's going to get it done. And so we can trust in him. Verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, Ye all are partakers of my grace. And so he says, it's reasonable for me to, to talk about this good work that, because I, I see it in you. I see it in you, and you've partnered with me in the gospel. And so I see that God is at work in your life, and he's doing something in your life. Uh, verse 8, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So I have great affection for you in Jesus Christ. Verse 9, now look at verse 9. Uh, we looked at the beginning of the verse last time. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And we focus mainly on the, the aspect of love. God wants us to have a lavish love. He wants us to overflow with this lavish love. Today we want to focus on the words knowledge and judgment. We want to talk about the fact that God wants our love to be intelligent love. Intelligent love. Everybody say that with me, intelligent love. God wants our love to be intelligent love. Uh, intelligent love is love that can recognize and discern. Recognize and discern. So those are the two key words for this morning. And uh, before we get into those two key words, let's stop, take a moment, ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Father, we're here looking into your word we believe that it is truly the Word of God. It is a special, supernatural Word, and it is capable of changing our lives. Lord, we pray that you would take the engrafted Word, Lord, put it into our hearts, change us, make us more like Christ, we pray this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at recognize and discern. Uh, but before we get into those two points, let's just take a minute to think about that word love. It says, and this I pray that your love may abound. What love is he talking about there? Uh, first of all, whose love is he talking about? 
Well, look at what he says. He says, this I pray that your love. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Philippian believers. So by extension, he's talking to us, but he's talking to the Philippians. He's talking to believers. Their love. He says, I pray that your love may abound. But love for who? Who is supposed to be the recipient of this love? Is, is this love for God? Love for each other and the lost? Great answer. Uh, think about this, though, if you will, with me. In the context, in, in verse 5, he's talking about the fellowship that he has with the Philippians. Verse 8, he says, God is my record, how greatly I long after you all. He's telling them how much affection he has for them. Verse 9, he says, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. Could we not look at this as the Apostle Paul saying, hey, we're fellowshipping the gospel. You're partnering with me. I'm experiencing your love. I would appreciate you. Let that love just continue abounding more and more. By extension, he's not to think that the Apostle Paul is self-centered, but I I hope he's saying to the Philippians, I hope that your love abounds more and more to, to those who are in the gospel ministry to those that you have partnered with, fellowshiped with in the gospel, and that you will continue to love and support those who are doing God's work. We just came off of Missions Month. That would fit really well with our Missions Month. The admonition there being, continue to love, continue to support those who are doing the gospel work. Now, I definitely do believe, though, uh, even though from the context, that would make sense to me. I, I definitely believe that the principles in this verse apply, generally speaking. So we can definitely apply these principles to, to love for God, to, to, especially to love for other people. And so that's uh, the way, the direction we'll, we'll go this morning. But I do believe in the context that there is somewhat of a missional aspect there. All right, so let's get into intelligent love. Intelligent love is love that can recognize and that discerns. Uh, so number one, recognizing love. What is a recognize, recognizing love? Uh, number one, let's uh, look at the word knowledge. What is the definition of knowledge? Well, it could be simply to recognize. There's a simple way to define that word. Uh, another way is uh, knowledge is a clear and certain perception of truth and fact. So we're getting at the idea of, of knowing truth. So our love is to abound in knowledge, the ability to recognize truth. Uh, there are two general types of truth. All right, number one, head knowledge. All right, you can know facts. You can know A, B, C, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not as deep as the second kind of knowledge, which is experiential knowledge. Uh, that's when you actually experience the truth. Okay, so when I went to Honduras on a mission trip, this sounds really bad, um, because I'm going to tell you, we went, we went to a beach resort on a mission trip, okay? Um, we did actually work on the mission trip, okay? So we, we weren't just goofing off. And the, the missionaries knew the people that owned the resort, so they're like, they had a relationship, and so they let us go on. And it was my opportunity to go snorkeling in the Caribbean. Anybody gone snorkeling in the Caribbean? Ricardo, ah, there we go, my Mexican friend, yeah, snorkeling in the Caribbean, um, I'm a very bad swimmer, okay, so I got out there, and uh, I was a little like a, a fish out of water, except I was in water, um, but they told me before I got out there, 
don't touch the coral reef, all right? You touch the coral reef, it's going to cut your hands, they're going to take forever to heal, and, and it's against the law. So don't touch the coral reef, all right? I'm a bad swimmer, so I get out there, and I start panicking a little bit. So what do I do? I touch the coral reef, all right? So I knew in my head, you touch the coral reef, it's going to give you really bad cuts. But for the next several days, I had these cuts where I had touched that coral reef, and it did not heal. Okay, so that's, that was head knowledge going to experiential knowledge. All right, so how do we apply this? It says in verse 9, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. One commentary says, In knowledge, uh, it suggests a knowledgeable love based on God's character and action. Christ, the gospel, and expressed in any given situation with knowledge and insight as led by the Spirit of God. It is a relational concept growing out of relationship with God. All right, so our knowledge about God should direct how we love. Our knowledge about God's actions, how he, how he acts in love, should direct our love. That's head knowledge. We get that from, from reading the Bible. But knowing God personally, and knowing how he's loved us personally, should also impact how we love others as well. That's experiential knowledge. When I was traveling the U.S. preaching at churches all over the country, I traveled roughly 75,000 miles by car, roughly. And so I was doing a lot of driving. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, doing that much driving, I got a little... uh, used to being behind the steering wheel, so I probably got a little careless from time to time as I was driving, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Holy Spirit would kind of remind me, Josh, quit goofing off, quit, make sure you're paying attention, being safe. And, uh, you know, I, okay, fine, I'll, I'll shape up. And then I kind of got in the bad habits again. And so one day, uh, long story short, this is really terrible, I ran into a raised garden bed. Sounds so stupid. I hit something that wasn't even moving. Uh, a raised garden bed, of all things. And I, oh, man, it was bad. I, uh, I crushed the, the front left fender. I blew out the windshield washer fluid. I was scared that the radiator had gotten, oh, man, thank God it did not. Um, it, it messed up my tie rod, compromised the steering, uh, just big mess. And there was a whole ordeal. I had to get a rental car, and I had to do probably, I don't know, 1500 1,500 miles of driving with that rental car. It was just, yeah, not good. And so it was a good lesson, though. God was patiently just saying, you know, he could have let me have a wreck on the road. So I'm really thankful that God, in a way, was merciful, and he allowed me to run into a raised garden bed. But here's the thing. My stupid mistake, costly mistake, but... The way that the insurance worked out and a couple of very generous churches covered my expenses. You know, God should have just done, I'm going to let you run in that raised garden bed and pay for that mistake yourself. But you know what God said? Josh, I'm going to remind you, safely, where you don't get hurt, 
to pay attention to your driving. And then I'm going to pay for your mistake. Experiential knowledge of God's love. You know, I, I'm not perfect, but I try to practice patience with others because I know how much patience I've received from God. So when we take that head knowledge, what we know about God's love, and we think about how God's shown it to us, that's going to affect how we deal with others. God wants us to have knowledgeable love, recognizing love. And that's love that recognizes His love and and what He's doing in our lives. Uh, We need to train ourselves to recognize God's love in the Word and in our life. That's the kind of love God wants us to have. But unfortunately, the world is trying to teach us a different definition of love. It's a misleading definition. Um, If you have... uh, Time, go over to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. I'll give you time to flip there because I want you to see these verses. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. Some amazing verses, if you don't have them memorized they would be good ones to memorize. Jeremiah, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You know, God's love is amazing. But it's not devoid of righteousness and judgment or discernment. It's not, not, not void of, of morality. And that's what the world wants us to think. Love is acceptance and tolerance of anything. Uh, God's word is not like the world's love. Uh, Number one, God's love is, it's not permissive. Uh, The world wants us to approve of all types of behavior, all types of sin. God's love does not approve of sin. But here's the thing, God's love does offer grace and forgiveness and a way out of sin. That's true love. God's love is not permissive. It's not pampering. No, God's love is not primarily concerned with your personal self-driven happiness. That's the way to your own destruction. Selfishness is what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's why what brought sin into the world. God's love is not pampering us in our selfishness. He is concerned with our spiritual health. Not simply what makes us happy, but he does have our best interests in mind. So God's love, it's not permissive, it's not pampering, it's not pathetic. 
God's love is not accepting of your sin so that you can remain as you are. God's love wants to rescue you from the damage of sin and make you into something that is a, a perfect and complete piece of art. So God's love, it's, it's not permissive, it's not pampering, it's not pathetic. Adam Brown was a Navy SEAL who served on SEAL Team 6, one of the most elite military units in the world. Uh, this is actually the same squad that brought down Osama bin Laden several years ago. Uh, Adam's life has been memorialized in his biography, Fearless. Uh, in his life, Adam went through many struggles. As a young person, he threw, threw away a promising career as an electrician at his dad's company for drugs and wrong relationships. Totally wrecked his life, broke his parents' heart. Uh, finally, his parents, who came to know Jesus Christ during this struggle with Adam, realized that they could not keep covering for Adam. So one day, they watched as he was cuffed, put into a squad car, and taken to prison. It broke their heart. But it broke Adam's heart as well. As he drove away, he realized what he had done. He met a pastor in prison, and he made a commitment for the Lord Jesus Christ while he was there. He wasn't perfect after that, but he definitely made a notable change in his life. God did a work there. He married. He had two kids. actually served at his church in a Sunday school class. But he also made an unmistakable impact on the lives that he served with in the military. He had a great reputation among his, his colleagues. He was always the first to volunteer. He always gave 100%. Uh, he had a dream to become a member of SEAL Team 6. He clawed and fought his way through the training, the, the rigorous training. He actually lost one of his eyes during training and still made it, even though um, on the battlefield, a split second of being able to visually identify an enemy could mean life or death. That showed how good he was. Unfortunately, Adam Brown, when he woke up on March 17, 2010, didn't realize that he would die that night in the Hindu Kush mountains of Afghanistan. But he was ready. In a letter to his children, not meant to be seen unless the worst happened, he wrote this. I'm not afraid of anything that might happen to me on this earth because I know that no matter what, nothing can take my spirit from me. Adam Brown had given his life to Jesus Christ. He had made a personal commitment. He trusted Christ as his Savior. He knew where his spirit was going when he died. By the way, if you're here today and you don't know where you're going when you die, you can know the Bible tells you. And it's through Jesus Christ. Talk to someone here. Talk to me, Brother Hustler, Tim. We'd love to share with you what the Bible says, how you can know that you're going to spend eternity with God. But what if Adam's parents hadn't played a little tough love with Adam? What if they hadn't let him go to prison? 
Would he have ever had that broken heart that led him to Christ, that led him to make the change in his life necessary to get him out of those drugs, to get him out of that miserable life? God's love is not permissive. It's not pampering. It's not pathetic. God doesn't want us to destroy our lives in sin. He wants to heal us, to change us. So what kind of love is God's love? Well, here are four thoughts. It's not an exhaustive list, but uh, first of all, God's love is a supernatural love. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. For, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. True love is supernatural in origin. If we're going to love truly, we have to be connected to the true God. We need His grace to transform us by His supernatural love. The hymn writer wrote, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. I love that. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, Thou hast made me whole. God's love, it's a supernatural love. It's a superabounding love. Verse 9 in Philippians 1, it says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. God's love is superabounding. Psalm 36, verse 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. We couldn't build a skyscraper tall enough to outdo the love of God. Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, and gracious, and long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Are you thankful for the superabounding love of God? And we can superabound in love as well when we remain connected to the source of that love. It's a supernatural love, it's a superabounding love, it's a sacrificial kind of love. 1 John 4, 9, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. It's a sacrificial kind of love. A mind-blowing kind of love for God, who is a spirit who is outside of time, space, and matter, to enter into our world. This is a very bad comparison, but it would be like us going down into a little ant colony, becoming a little worker ant, and serving the colony. That's what Jesus did for us. And you know what's amazing? Jesus entered the physical creation that that He created never to leave us. He's going to be with us throughout all eternity. 
for those of us that know Christ. The sacrificial love of God. It's uh, supernatural. It's superabounding. It's sacrificial and also it's a serious kind of love. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. God's love is serious because he's not playing games. He's not going to let you live around in your sin. He's going to discipline you, but when he disciplines, he disciplines in love. God's love is a, it's an anytime, anywhere kind of love, ready to superabound, to sacrifice, springing out of a supernatural source, God's own heart. As Travis. Trevor Francis wrote the song, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, never more. How he watches o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How, he, how for them he intercedeth, watcheth o'er them from the throne. Jesus died for us. He's, he's interceding on our behalf right now. He's praying for us. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing. Tis a haven sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Tis a heaven of heaven to me. And it lifts me up to glory. For it lifts me up to thee. God's love. What an amazing love. And it's available to us. God loves us freely and he wants to pour it through us. And we can abound in this love if we stay connected to him, the source of love and his word. Philippians 1.9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. We need to have a recognizing love, love that recognizes God's love in the Word of God and in our lives personally. That's the kind of love that we need to abound in. God wants us to have an intelligent love, a love that recognizes, but also a love that is able to discern. It says, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, in discernment. Uh, we need to indel- develop intelligent love through discernment. So what's the definition here for judgment? Uh, the Greek word is aesthesis, and uh, it's a hapax legomenon. Anybody know what a hapax legomenon is? It's a, it's, it means simply it's only used one time in the whole New Testament, which makes the word a little bit harder to define because there's not as many uh, cross-references. Uh, however, the, the noun form is 
It, it literally means this, an organ of sense. All right, so figuratively, we're talking about the capacity for discernment. Or, uh, in other words, uh, we're talking about your nose. Think about your nose. Your nose is an organ of sense. It's a sensing organ. Um, when I was in, uh, in the U.S. again, traveling around to different churches, I went to a church in Lake Odessa, Michigan. Uh, Lake Odessa is just a little, one of those little Midwestern towns that we have in the United States. Uh, not a lot going on there. Maybe uh, some, some agriculture, some dairy farm. You know, not a whole lot going on. They have a lake, Lake Odessa. Okay, great. Uh, so what do you do in Lake Odessa for fun? When you have visitors in town, what, what do you do? Where, where do you go? What do you show off to the visitors that come to Lake Odessa? You take them to the dairy farm. Yeah, so they took us. We went to this dairy farm, and uh, they have this ice cream shop there, and so people like to go and get ice cream. But you can tour this, this high-tech modern dairy farm where they have these robotic milkers and everything. It's really cool, actually. But uh, when, you walk in, when you first walk into that dairy farm, that barn that has all those cows just sitting there um, and piles and piles of manure, that odor hits you like a vaporous brick wall. You walk in, boom, whoa, hello. Um, you, you notice the smell in there. Okay, so your nose, your nose is able to identify different odors. It, it, it hits you when, you when you smell that. Here's the, here's the illustration. Our love needs to have a nose, we need to be able to smell out a, a, a situation, a, a circumstance, and say, how do I apply love, God's love, to this situation? That's that discernment that, that's talking about. So regarding missions, all right, we talked about this a little earlier. So regarding missions, um, we, we can't support every missionary. We don't have unlimited resources, so we have to sense, we've got to smell out the situation uh, which missionaries can we support? Um, we need to bring them in, talk to them, figure out if we're on the same page. Uh, we need to sense how we do our missions program. Uh, so how do we develop love with a nose? How do we develop sensing love? Well, number one, uh, knowledge. Knowledge of God's love. We talked about this. That, that was the first half of the message. Loving the way God loves, the way his word says he loves, uh, and, and the way he ex- we experience it. Uh, so, number one, remember our knowledge of, of God's love. Number two, how do we develop a sensing love? Uh, number two is we need information about the situation. Again, this is more knowledge-based, but we need information about the situation. Uh, so, again, in regards to missions, we will ask questions about what, what the missionary believes. Are they on the same philosophical page as, as our ministry? We're going to ask questions. We're going to gather information so that we can discern what is appropriate in this, in this setting. So we would want to gather enough information to make the right judgment. Uh, when we are developing this sensing love, we need to be careful to get in the habit of, of asking questions. Oftentimes, it's very easy for us to jump to conclusions based on hearsay or based on what we think the other person is thinking. We'll make assumptions, and we will jump to conclusions. So as we develop this sensing love, we need to slow down, stop, and ask questions. Make sure we really understand what the other person is thinking. Make sure that we actually understand the full situation that's going on. 
we may limit ourselves in how we can abound in our love because we jump to conclusions and we write somebody off. We say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And we, sadly, we, we close ourselves off. Uh, also, we may open ourselves up to unwise decisions because we don't ask enough questions to truly discern the situation. So as we develop a sensing love, we need to gather information about the situation. We need to get in the habit of asking questions. And then number three, how do we develop a sensing love? Well, we pray for wisdom. Uh, That's what the Apostle Paul is doing in verse 9. He's praying that their love would abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, the ability to, to sense what is best for them to choose, the Philippian believers, that is. So as you encounter on a daily basis decisions that you have to make, how you're going to abound in love, well, remember, how does God love? And how can I apply that to this situation? What do I know about the situation? Do I need more information about the situation? And then pray that God would lead you through His Holy Spirit to make the right decision. God wants us to have an intelligent love. A love that recognizes His true love. And that's able to apply it on a daily basis in our daily life. Love that is superabounding, love that is discerning, love that is reliant on his wisdom. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. If you would read this with me as we close this morning, I'll start with the reference. Join me on the verse. Philippians 1 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your amazing love. God, you shed a tremendous example of of love for us. Help us not to forget it. Help us to grow in our knowledge of it in the Word and in life as well. And Father, help us to be able to sense, to discern how it is we are to apply this love to our daily life. We need your wisdom and your guidance. So Father, we pray for your help in this area. But we do thank you so much that we are recipients of your love, those of us that have trusted Christ. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, they do not know that they will be in heaven when they die. Lord, we pray that you would lovingly draw them to you, that they would seek someone out, and that they would get that assurance this morning. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we will have our closing hymn, but as we go that direction, please...